often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Be Well Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar. Oh, hey, sis. How you doing? I mean, I, for once in a very long time, am actually feeling well, and I'm starting to feel like myself again. So a large part of the reason that I took a break was because I was burnt out and I was battling a depressive episode. So... Um, and I mean, like, like once one I've never experienced before, shit got really real and I had to take my own advice and take care of myself. And one of the things that I had to do was just take off all the things that I had on my plate. Um, so um, I've been taking stock of what's on my plate and, you know, prioritizing appropriately and no one can do it all. And I was trying so hard to be superwoman. And it's not that I was consciously doing it either. I just was trying to do all the things and just spread myself incredibly thin. So I slowed down a bit. So I've since slowed down a bit. And I've shifted my focus. And I'm finally started to feel like myself again. Am I 100% there? No. But I'm ways away from how I felt just a few weeks ago. Y'all, depression is a bitch. It's it's horrible. And it's more than just feeling sad, you know? For me, I had body aches and I just felt like I couldn't even carry, like the weight of my own body was just too heavy for me. Um, and even though I was exhausted, both physically and mentally, I just couldn't fall asleep. And if I did fall asleep, I couldn't stay asleep. Um, my thinking was super hazy. I had zero concentration. My memory was failing me. Um, I lost interest in just about everything. I mean, I was I stopped returning texts and phone calls, and not because I, I didn't care or I didn't miss my loved ones, but because I literally did not have the energy. All I could muster up the strength to do was the bare minimum to keep my kids alive and provided for. And then the worst part of that was... I then beat myself up for not being the mom that I, I wanted to be. So then I would sink into an even deeper depression and, and the cycle was just never ending. So I would then get like one day of like a little bit of energy and I would try to do all the things just to completely deplete my already low energy state. It was a lot. <sighs> Anyways, I'm coming out of that fog and I just feel so grateful to... To not feel like every day is just a burden, um, to not feel like I am a burden, to not feel like all of my responsibilities are just heavy and a load that I just can't bear, and just to feel like I can appreciate like the little things, like the sunshine, and um, I want to be present for my family, and that I, I want to do things and I'm starting to reach back out to my friends and to my family. And right now, honestly, I'm on apology tour because I've been MIA. My people are so good. They are so forgiving and so loving and so understanding. Honestly, I feel like a lot of us are going through it in, in different forms because we are in a world that we have never imagined, right? And though life looks really different, than it did months ago, 
it's still the same because we still have the same responsibilities and work doesn't let up and our kids don't let up and this life keeps on going but it's different and we're distant from each other and it's hard. So I say all this to say that if any of this sounds like you, I don't want you to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. There are qualified individuals and professionals who can help see you through. Um, You're not a failure for seeking help. You're not crazy for seeking help. You are human going through a human experience, a different experience, a taxing experience. This shit is hard and we all could use some help sometimes. And it doesn't make you less than for needing any help or for seeking help. But with all that said, that is not why you guys came here today. So let's get into it. Intimacy, a state marked by emotional closeness, equality suggesting closeness or warmth, something that is very personal or private, or sexual relations. So today's episode is about, you've guessed it, intimacy and sex. So because we're social beings and sexual beings, our sexual health is a key component to our wellness. And let me tell you, a healthy sex life, whatever that looks like for you, makes a world of a difference in your mood. Let me tell you how. So research has suggested that sexual activity releases endorphins and other feel-good hormones and neurotransmitters. Also, an orgasm itself has many benefits for health and stress relief. It can relax your body as well as release many hormones that are also supportive of your overall health and wellness. Uh, one study examined participants' blood pressure as a measure of their stress response during public speaking or during challenging math problems. These are both situations that often elicit stress. And it was found that those who had recently had intercourse tended to have lower baseline blood pressures less of a blood pressure rise during stressful events, or both. So really interesting. So while many of us know the positive effects of sex, too many of us struggle with intimacy and the vulnerability required for truly satisfying sex lives. Those of us who are raised with Christian ideologies often struggle with ideas of sex as being a shameful act, which also lead to less than fulfilling sex lives. With that said, I am so appreciative of the conversation that I'm sharing with you today with Dr. Lex. Dr. Lex Brown James, aka Lex Sex Doc on Instagram, is an Amazon best-selling author and is a licensed marriage and family therapist. As the CEO of the Institute for Intimacy and Sexuality, she works to support healing in couples, families, and individuals. Helping to ensure folks build and maintain fulfilling intimate relationships is integral at the Institute. Dr. Lex believes healing doesn't happen, and as the couples clinician, she works to take care of the relationship between lovers versus the ego of lovers. Ooh, that's a word. So with that said, let's get into the conversation. It is a good time. She is just so full of life and energy and just positivity and knowledge. So let's get into the episode. Thanks again for joining. I'm so happy you're here. Be well. Okay, you guys, I have Dr. Lex with us today. I am so, so excited. I'm just so giddy to have her. (laughs) From the first time I heard her, um, 
I heard her speak, I had to like go to her website and, and find out who she is. I found her Instagram and I've just been a fan ever since. So today is like one of the best days I've had in months. So thank you so much, Dr. Lex. <laughs> no pressure though. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> no, you just be you. <laughs> That we shall do. I am just so happy to be here to talk with you to to see where we go. But I'm just honored that you'd want my presence, and I am super flattered that <laughs> I get to be here. And I'm just happy. Oh, you are super dope. So I just want to go ahead and just jump right into it. Let's talk about intimacy and sex and all of those good things. Um, I feel like these days people replace um, like being intimate with like being intimate has become synonymous with having sex. And I think intimacy has lost its meaning. A lot of us don't really know what that means. So what is intimacy? So intimacy from my perspective, right? So I'm going to tell you, I come from a black southerner fat parent perspective. I'm pansexual and intimacy means being able to take risk and show your vulnerable parts with somebody. That means you can share secrets and, and be trusting. It's into me. I see, right? Mm -hmm. And so intimacy, um, and it's showing you those softer parts that we don't show the rest of the world, especially in our blackness, right? We code switch. We make mm -hmm. sure we're on our P's and Q's in certain places. We don't even speak with a certain vernacular in certain places too, right? Mm -hmm. But intimacy yep. is I can be myself, all of it hanging out, sweatpants, I'm going to eat this whole plate of food, and... <laughs> you're not going to blink an eye and you're still going to love me through it. I'm a, I'm a make mistakes. Uh, I'm a F up and you're still going to love me through it. I'm going to show you my, my pain. I'm going to show you my hopes mm -hmm. and you're still going to be like, I love you. I'm here for you. Let's go. What do you need? How do I support you unapologetically? That's mm -hmm. intimacy. And I, I think a lot of us really don't have that. Like honestly don't have that even with our romantic partners, like it's one thing to, to sleep with somebody and to have sex with them, but to really trust that somebody is going to have your back. I think a lot of us really don't have that. You work with a lot of couples. Um, you're a couples clinician. What do you see as barriers to intimacy? Oh, there's so many, right? As the couples clinician, and it is my passion because when couples come to me, it's not my job to take care of the individuals in the couple. My client is the relationship. So I'm taking care of the relationship between folk. And the barriers are we all come with our own stuff. You come with your stuff from your house. Your lover comes with the stuff from their house. And you bring that stuff to your relationship. A lot of times, especially because I see mostly black and queer folks, they haven't even seen models of happy, successful relationships that they would want to have. Right. I'm like, I always ask people, you know, who did you look to growing up for romantic relationships? And I hear the Cosby's. Family Matters. People might even say Martin and Gina, which is definitely not relationship goals ever. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, right? So they don't have a blueprint. There's no, and nobody taught them. 
they they saw either you know or if there there weren't any relationships like I've definitely had those folks who were like oh I was raised by my grandma and she was single after my grandpa died or I saw my grandpa had two or three families and we all knew about each other we just didn't say nothing about it and I know I didn't want that or their moms instilled in them to be super independent and never have to depend on anybody else for anything. And I saw this on a Facebook meme today that, you know, super independence is also a trauma response. It's what people learn to do when they are surviving and they cannot depend on others. Mm. How do you be in a relationship when you can't trust to depend on somebody else? For black women who are conditioned to be super women, yep. and I tell this all the time, lay down them damn capes. Them capes ain't doing nothing for you. No is a complete sentence, but black women are trained to be the end all be all for everybody except for themselves. Right? Mm-hmm. So you saving a church, you saving a community, you saving a family, you saving Tom, Dick, Harry, Angel Man, you saving <laughs> your own family, right? And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you're depressed, you're worn out, you're overwhelmed, and mm-hmm. you're still trying to do it all when all it does is build resentment, bitterness, and self-sacrifice never equals goodness. Mm-hmm. And we don't learn that. Like we're supposed to, you're, you're taught whether as a recovering Baptist from a religious standpoint that you're supposed to suffer in order to be good. And I'm like, well, according to the Bible that I read, Jesus did all the suffering. So we don't have to suffer. I don't, Amen. I don't know yes. why or where uh, that philosophy came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, God gave his only begotten son so we can live in blitz. But y'all right. out here suffering on purpose? I don't know. No, thank you. Um, this is why I'm a recovering Baptist. Uh, they did not like me in the church. Um, and then I see wives who are like, well, I'll sacrifice my happiness for my family or for my for my lover or for my kids as mothers. And then when those kids get up and move out on their own and are super successful, they feel bitterness. They feel resentment. They feel lost. And they lost time. They lost their dreams. They lost the intimacy and closeness with their own partner because they were absorbed in awe, the role of being a mom, the role of being a wife, the role of being a good worker and are sacrificing all of the time. But it doesn't mean that it makes you good. It doesn't make you better. You deserve the same respect that you give everybody else too for yourself. And how would you suggest I mean, outside of therapy, like what can we do? (laughs) Um, Like what is an initial step that we can take at home by ourselves to start to undo those, like to put down our cape? Like what can we do to undo that a bit? Of course, it takes a lot of therapy and Lord knows I'm in it. Um, (laughs) Yes, me too, me too. Oh my goodness, I need it. It's painful sometimes, but it's necessary. Yep. Yep. So, um, so home, how do we undo that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At home, one, start saying no. I don't, and no with a smile. Uh, one, <laughs> one of my friends was like, how do you do that? I'm like, because I don't want to. That's it. Simply put, I don't want to. No. There are mm-hmm. no if, ands, or buts. There's no more exclamation. Get comfortable with saying no. Right? And yeah. you'll start to notice if somebody is around you because of what you do for them and you stop doing for them, then that's not the person for you. Hello. Right? Because it means they're just getting taken care of and you got to count, am I getting taken care of in the same way? And for most folks, that answer is no. Mm -hmm. So start saying no. 
if you truly don't want to do it, if it feels like you're regretting, if you're avoiding something, if you are dragging your feet. Now, look, yes, you do have to wash the dishes eventually. Yes. And I'm talking about larger scheme things. People asking you to do things, people wanting you to show up in different ways. You can say no. And that's it. There's nothing else you need to do for it. The other thing is taking time for yourself. I know everybody's on a self-care kick and all of these bath bombs and whatever home. Yeah, that's great. And self-care also looks like check-ins with yourself, right? So what am I doing that's pleasurable for my body? How is my body actually feeling today? Am I just going through the motions or am I enjoying moment to moment? Huh. Okay. I haven't really enjoyed anything today. What am I going to enjoy just for me? And it's easier to do this when you think of, even for myself, when I think of my kids and my kids are watching me, right? So my kids are watching me model a relationship. They're watching me model intimacy. They're watching me model consent. And they're watching me model how to take care of myself. And they're going to learn those same things. And you might think of your own mama and what you learned from your mama and how she was. And you told Mm -hmm. yourself as a kid, I ain't going to do that when I get older. And here you are doing the same thing that your mama did that you didn't want it to happen. You're like, mm. oh, oops. How'd that come? What happened? Right? Because we, we do what we're taught. So if you want your kids to grow up to like take care of themselves and take care of their mental and take care of their spiritual and take care of their bodies, then you got to do the same thing. See, I told you she was wrong. So today's song of the day is an oldie but goodie called Break You Off by The Roots featuring music soul child. I mean, if you know, you know. And if you don't know, well, now you know. So I've created a wellness guide and self-care planner for you. The link is down in the show notes. I've created with love. So please download. It is free. It is for you. It is from my heart. (laughs) Also, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever it is, please um, subscribe. And to be honest, y'all, to date, we have 27 reviews on Apple and my feelings are kind of hurt. My birthday is on October 6th. So how about you gift me by leaving an amazing review it costs you absolutely nothing but it helps us to get some traction and visibility and help for our show to grow so please help me by leaving a review so let's see if we can get to 100 reviews by november 1st don't let me down (laughs) anyway let's get back to the show sis be well So a few weeks ago, you know, the song WAP came out and I was so surprised by the response to it. Um, The men who were upset by it, I'm like, what are you mad at? And then the women who were like, the responses I saw online were a lot of like, there was shame wrapped up in what they feel about Mm -hmm. sex. Like I felt that like creeping through and I'm just like, listen, we all got here. That's all we have in common. Like we are all products of sex, right? Mm -hmm. Um, what is the big deal? Like, we're all having it. If we're adults, it is consensual. Like, who cares? So I feel like it's interesting because growing up there, I grew up in a very Christian home and it took me years of unlearning 
to take away shame from sex. Mm. And I realized that it's not just me. A lot of us are, are processing sex isn't a shameful thing. Sex is completely natural and it's okay, girl, just do you. Um, Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. how would you suggest how to uncouple the feelings of shame with sex that have been ingrained in us since children? Yeah. So that is an entire workbook that I'm working on (laughs) with my, um, I actually developed a therapeutic model for this because I see it so much. I see it so much, especially with black bodies and brown bodies. And right, the history that I'm learning that a lot of people don't know, but are starting to come into understanding around how black and brown bodies are considered sexual from puberty, right? Mm -hmm. Which also means sexual from a child's age, because Mm -hmm. puberty in black and brown bodies can take place as early as eight. Yep. Right. And if you ask specifically black and brown people when somebody first hit on them, when uh, people started saying stuff about their body that was sexual, it is typically pretty young. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that was some of the pushback with what the people saying, oh, no, this is going to reinforce this hypersexuality stereotype. And we have to remember that that wasn't a stereotype that was born of us. Right. That Mm -hmm. that goes back to colonizers, literally colonizers off the coast of West Africa saw bare breasted women and were aroused. And because they were aroused, they projected that we were sexual. Mm -hmm. Right. That's on them. And we don't have to ascribe to that narrative anymore. And I don't think it's our job to dispel it either. But it's been so much onto our shoulders to prove that. We're not animalistic, that we're not dandishly like wanton and, and sexual, that people go to the extremes and what makes them uncomfortable. And I don't know about you, but for me, when people start talking about sex, they whisper. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are we whispering? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happened. Um, because there is that that shame, right? That, mm-hmm. that no-no place or... Um, it's dirty is what we're taught or people are dirty and then there's all the stigma that's wrong around um, sexually transmitted infections there's the you can only sleep with so many people in order to be worthy of getting a lifelong partner or spouse and it comes wrapped in all of these things but I am about sexual liberation mm-hmm. and as hard as those things are to dismantle sexual liberation means being able to get to the pleasure that you want without obstacles and boundaries. And that shame can be a super huge boundary, no matter who holds it, whether it's your lover or yourself, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I feel like a whore if I do this, or I feel dirty or bad or wrong. That idea came from somewhere. Whose idea was that? Who taught you that? And starting to challenge, do you ascribe to those same belief systems for yourself or are you still living with somebody else's belief system? What's the negative thought that it reinforces for yourself? Because shame is, I, I am unlovable. I am unwanted. I am not worthy, right? Those are things of shame. And when those come up for you specifically around sex, and this can also happen with um, people who are survivors of trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's a big thing that people are just starting to recognize that people carry trauma, all sorts of various types of trauma, 
not just childhood, not just teenage, but even trauma in relationships, even trauma in marriages, even trauma from churches around sexuality. And I don't just mean things like sexual assault or rape. I mean, as simple as saying, look at that girl. She fast because her hips are spreading. Right. Mm -hmm. But she's just hitting puberty. Yeah. I remember being 13 at a basketball game for my team. And I had my nephew who was a child and everybody assumed I was his mother. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, no, he's my nephew. And they were like, well, your hips are wide. So we thought you gave birth. And I was like, "Wow, oh, right. Didn't know that was a thing, but okay. Right. And I, I come from College Park. So, you know, some lower socioeconomic status, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, um, weird. This is, this is a weird thing. So they, they've been blocked from having that sexual liberation that WAP puts on display Honey, when I saw those fountains with the breast shooting the water, yes. especially as a nursing, I, I'm, I was a nursing parent. I nursed for 36 months. I mean, three years. Wow. I can just say three years at this point. So I nursed for three years, right? And the like nursing moms, they're not sexy yeah. at all. You have fluid leaking out of your boobs, right? <laughs> but the fact that like it was on display, like, yes, you can have fluid coming out your breast and still want sex, right? Yes. You can, you can walk down and be in leopard with your boobs hanging out and tassels and still want sex. You can ride and you can say your own name because you can own your sexual liberation mm-hmm. and say, this is how I like my pleasure. You don't have to suffer in silence with how you like your pleasure. And I think that's really integral because people often are not given that permission of saying, you can tell me what you like. You can tell me what you don't like. I want to make sure that you are sexually satisfied. I'm going to give you room to explore for yourself what you like and what you don't like without condemnation, without shame and without guilt. That is how we get to sexual liberation. That's how we get rid of sexual shame. Um, And the other thing that just really just threw me was just too many men's uh, response to it, especially like in the, I guess we'll call them the hip hop community because a lot of the the male perspective when it comes to sex in hip hop is like talking about their male like sexual prowess and how how they're gonna get the coochie and all that good stuff. So why are you upset when a woman is just talking about her sexual prowess? It's it was just weird. It was like, do you only want it if you are gonna take it? It felt it, it just it seemed rapey. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? right yeah it's a power thing right it's Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have power over this but you having power over it is not okay and and that was disturbing strange flex and (laughs) (laughs) i thought you know having however your vaginal canal gets wet whether it's through um the big word is vasocongestion so natural like flowing wetness what i always say add a lubricant water-based or silicone based based on what you're doing um Mm -hmm and add a lubricant and then letting it relax right and and being able to receive that pleasure go for it yes Mm -hmm. we we see that rappers brag on how many holes they get and what that looks Mm -hmm. like but that's that same old adage of what is it um slut versus stud and i see megan and cardi like refusing that like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not a slut if I sleep with so many people. And you're not a stud if you sleep with so many people. It just means that we like to have sex and we know how we like to have sex. 
Yep. That's easier yep. for you, bro. Like if I know what I like, I'm going to tell you and you can do it, then I'm going to mm-hmm. be happy too. And mm-hmm. arousal begets arousal. So the hotter yes. you are is the hotter I am. And the hotter I am is the hotter you are. And that makes yes. a really, really good time. Yes. <laughs> um, so one thing that I want to touch on is how not to repeat certain cycles that will create sexual shame in our children. And how do we model I'm not sure if that's the right word to model, but how do we instill that sex is normal? And and when do we start? I think that's the absolute right word. Um, Even with WAP, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. That's a whole conversation you have. If you have older kids who actually know what the song is saying, Mm -hmm. then that's a conversation you have, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's Mm -hmm. wet and gushy? Well, one, they should know how a vaginal canal works, Mm -hmm. that there's normal discharge, Right. If discharge is this color or this smell, then it might be a reason to see medical attention. Um, my kids, your, your child is five. My kids are two and three. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have a, I have a three major and since <laughs> about one and a half, maybe, maybe one, when they started to babble, like one of the first five words my kids said was vulva. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe one of the first 10 words was penis because they saw dad's penis like one day walking in the bathroom or something. And mm-hmm they know like this is my vulva because Mm -hmm. that's what the part is. They know that they have a urethra. They know that mommy has a uterus. And right now my three-year-old will walk in the bathroom and be like, mom, is it poop, pee, or the blood? And I'm like, (laughs) I just have to pee, Garnet. Thank you. I'm good. Okay. Your tummy, your, no, she says your uterus, is it bleeding? I'm like, no, Garnet, it's not bleeding. I'm good. Right. And my daughter is three. So we've, we've normalized this conversation around body parts because mm-hmm. I need to, I need you to know that this is your body. You are in charge of it. Right. And uh, yes, my kids tell me no, which is a taboo thing in black households sometimes, but I need them to be comfortable telling me as an adult, no. So mm-hmm. they're also comfortable telling other adults, no. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. My, and studies have shown, I don't know why we don't tell more people this, but studies have shown that if a child knows the correct anatomy part names and uses them, that they are more likely or less likely to be sexually groomed and approached by a sexual predator. Mm. And that's because you can't shame them. mm -hmm. Um, That is one of the first things that my mother-in-law taught me. She's just like, as soon as he, like, don't use any cutesy words with your kids' uh, body parts. Like, it's a penis. Like, mm-hmm. no peep, no whatever. It's a penis. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why? She's just like, for the same reason that you just said. She's just like, you need to know exactly what's happening at all times. No cute words. Right, yep. right, right. And so I like to do it as a preventative. People are like, so if something happens, you know, you can report it. Yes. And... If something, if somebody approaches my child and is like, let me see your vulva and more than likely it's a friend or a friend of the family, an adult, that family, that person, that child knows or an older kid or the kid of a babysitter. Like if somebody that child knows, then it's very clear if my kid says, no, I don't want you to touch my vulva. Mm-hmm. Right. It is very clear. And well, ooh, you just said vulva. That's a dirty spot. You can't talk about that. I'm going to tell if you don't let me do this. My kids are like, my mama talk about vulvas all the time. So mm-hmm. boy, bye, like whatever. Right. It's not right. going to be a big deal for her. And that's really important. 
um, to me. So that's that's three. If you haven't done that, you can always go back and do it because you're always talking about sexual health. Like you're talking about body self-esteem and how they feel in their clothes and their body. That's sexual health. You're talking about hygiene, how to wash pieces of their body and make sure everything is clean and taken care of healthy wise. That's sexual esteem. You're talking about power dynamics, right? So making sure that they were practicing consent. We practice consent with our kids. I'm like, can I take your picture? Can I give you a kiss? Would you like a kiss, hug, or high five, right? And if my kid says, I don't want anything before bed, my feelings be a little bit hurt, real rap, I'm not going to lie. And I'm like, okay, you know, thank you for respecting your boundaries. I'm going to let you go to sleep. And I walk out, right? So you're, you are modeling those things. Um, Dr. Lex, you have been just amazing. So I have one question that I ask everyone is, um, what book would you recommend to us? And it could be about anything at all. Oh my gosh. No <laughs> pressure. Um, what book? So I would be kicked in the face by all my colleagues if I didn't recommend my own book, which is a kid's book. Oh, yes. Um, which is These Are My Eyes, This Is My Nose, This Is My Vulva, These Are My Toes. Love it. Uh, that normalizes body parts. Um, if I wanted to pick a book that was not to my own horn, though, <laughs> I would choose um, The Body Is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. Yes. That really, because I think Black people and Brown people, and specifically women, need to understand that just from being born, we face racism, sexism, and classism, right? And that's what Patricia Hill Collins says. And I add on to that to say that we also face colorism, how mm-hmm. light-skinned or how dark-skinned we are and dark-skinned women face many more obstacles. We face texturism, so how our hair naturally comes out of our heads is discriminated against. And we face sizeism, and that's discrimination based on our body size. And typically around quote-unquote what would be deemed as fatness whether we might call it thickness right Mm -hmm. but that fatness and that judgment of how our bodies are supposed to be coca-cola body bottle shaped and Mm -hmm. if it's anything other than that or if it's too big in coca-cola bottle shaped there's discrimination against us um, as far as attractiveness as far as people believing that we're healthy or not and the factors that we face just from existing and it happens from birth. So I think that the body is not an apology gives us permission to de-weaponize our black skin as we are taught that it is and to celebrate whatever body that we're in, whether you got a fupa, whether you don't have a fat poom poom or a big (laughs) booty, right? All of the stuff, a large penis, um, any of that, I think it really does give us permission to start taking pleasure in our bodies and existing just as we are and unapologetically. So Dr. Lex, tell me what is going on right now? What are you up to now? Anything new in the works? Um, yes, but I just saw a hawk that just flew in this tree next to me and it's huge and it's amazing. So I'm going to take that as a sign to, I don't know, do something and be a Christian. I don't know. Um, I don't know what hawks really do, but it's really pretty. And right now I am doing a couples conflict management course. 
and hopefully I'm going to have that. It's on the 20th of September. So if you miss it, that's fine. I think I'm going to have that webinar up on my website, Lex, L-E-X-X, Sex, S-E-X, Doc, D-O-C, dot com um, for purchase. And then in November, I am releasing my couple's guide to intimacy. So it's the Black Girl's Guide to Couples Intimacy on my website in November. So you can look for that. It is a full workbook that talks about your conflict style. It gives you some values as a couple that you're going to develop. There's some fun scenarios. Of course, there's some sexy sex stuff in there, some challenges, some getting to know you puzzles, and some fun activities to bring up some nostalgia, but also to plan for your future. So I'm really excited about working on that. You're also going to do some heat maps and talk about your bodies and pleasure. And that's going to be coming out in the fall, right around Black Friday time. So if you subscribe to my website, you'll actually be able to get it on a discount early. Oh, so I will have everything um, linked in the show notes. So her website, her Instagram page, all that good stuff. So you can access her, her content, everything as soon as possible. Woohoo! Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am so grateful. I'm I'm just so happy. I feel like a child. Thank you for making my day, my month. <laughs> thank you for connecting. And we're connected now, girl. So yes. whatever. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Um, Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.